From McKinsey's Banking and Securities Practice, I'm Matt Cook, and this is Talking Banking Matters, topical audio content for leaders in banking, securities, and beyond. In this episode, we continue our occasional series on leaders in payments and fintech and talk with the founder of the card issuing platform, Marketa. Marketa broke new ground in 2010 when it created an open API for issuing digital and physical payments cards and for processing payments. Essentially, it could be said the company invented modern card issuing. Today, Marketa provides infrastructure and tools for companies to build and manage their payments programs, giving greater control over which purchases are authorized. Based in Oakland, California, the company launched in 2010. It didn't go public until 2021, however, but during that time it went through 15 rounds of funding, the last being its IPO, when it reached a valuation of just over $16 billion. We spoke with Marketa's founder, Jason Gardner, a lifelong entrepreneur, about why and how he built Marketa, the challenges of scaling, and his recent decision to step aside as CEO. We talked just weeks after he became executive chair and handed over the CEO reins to his successor, Simon Calaf, who is a veteran of Twilio and Yahoo. We started by asking Jason how he got into the payments industry and why he scuttled the plan to open juice bars in Australia. So 13 years ago, I had just uh, finished up with MoneyGram International. They acquired my last company, Property Bridge, which was payments for rent and lease related payments um, at the time. Uh, back in 2004, I was actually moving to Australia to start a Jamba Juice type chain called Crocodile Coolers. It turned out there wasn't any smoothie places in and around uh, Bondi Beach. And I was having breakfast on Friday morning with a friend of mine, Ryan Gilbert, who's now the uh, head of Launchpad Capital. And he said, I have an idea to add electronic payments to rent and lease related payments. And I was just so blown away that I dropped everything and we started that. I was at MoneyGram for a couple of years, uh, 2009, having dinner with a friend. Uh, he told me to put a bunch of Groupon coupons on a payment card. I had no idea what issuing and processing was. And that idea was like getting struck by lightning. I just fell in love with it and uh, started building. Had no idea exactly what we're going to build at the time, but found to solve the problem of many sort of Groupons on a card. We had to build this thing called an issuing processing system from scratch. And how we built it was delivering APIs, but specifically to ourselves. So we can go and build this technology and add to the APIs and add to the technology. And we uh, got a call from Facebook in 2013. And they said, we want to build this card. It's your birthday. A hundred friends want to send you a hundred different gift cards to a hundred different merchants. And it turns out the only company in the world that can do that is you guys. And we were 19 people at the time. We were blown away because we didn't know why Facebook was calling us. Uh, And then in 2014, we opened up the API. uh, And in 2015, found incredible product market fit to the point where we had to actually stop taking customers and operationalize. Scale is absolutely the hardest thing you will ever deal with in building a business. And we were wholly unprepared for it. So we literally took a gamble and didn't really take on customers for about six to nine months uh, while we were operationalizing the business. And then at the end of really 2015, opened up, hung our shingle and took off like a rocket in 2016 because we had such good product market fit. The technology that Marketa pioneered allows companies to identify more precisely the specific merchant where a payment card is being used. At the time, 
processing systems did not include precise geographical information that GPS systems now enable, making it difficult for payment system users to know exactly which payment terminal an authorization was being requested from. Without this technology, digital companies such as on-demand delivery services couldn't effectively scale. Jason explains this further and told how it led to Marketa carving out a new category in finance. Yeah, there, there was technology out there that you can add merchants to a card. There were like mall cards at the time, but you had to go around to every single merchant and physically swipe the card so you can get the both the terminal ID and merchant ID associated with that specific merchant. But we knew that was really impossible. Like if we were going to build a platform or a technology that could operate specifically in California at the time, and uh, I think Portland was our next city, we couldn't physically go to every single merchant. So the magic of what we had built allowed us to use kind of third party, like, you know, Google's map API and our technology allowed us to really pinpoint with greater than 99% accuracy that it was the right merchant at the right time. And that allowed us to go and scale this technology, uh, what really kind of helped us get Facebook up and running. And then eBay was our second customer. I think that what we found in product market fit, and I remember the minute and finding product and market fit is more like magic. It's not something that, you know, just kind of falls in your lap and you're like, oh, wow, we found product market fit because there's a, you know, kind of a square peg and a square hole and, and it's that easy. And at the same time, we were meeting with DoorDash and others, and we invented this technology called JIT or Just-in-Time. And in the modern card issuing category is something that Marketa not only invented, but we completely pioneered, which is now commonplace all, all over the world. And I said, you know, what it would be cool is, you know, so the card is in a terminal state. You know, the driver says, I'm going to go pick up this order and I can add it to my card. Now my card goes on and it's waiting for that specific order. But what we can do is we can do all this order matching for you. So uh, when the driver drives to the merchant to pick up the food, we're going to take the ISO 8583 message, uh, which is uh, generated from the point of sale. That allows you to travel around the world and use the same exact card because it's international standard. We're going to convert that to a JSON message and we're going to send it to you. And you're going to be able to parse that and say, is the driver on shift? Are they at the right merchant? Are they picking up the right order? Uh, you'll then be able to add metadata to that. So when the transaction is complete, you'll be able to sort of instantaneously update your ledger. And then card goes back to the terminal state and they drop off that order. It's more of magic. I was in a meeting with the CTO of Postmates, Sean Place at the time. And we said, hey, you know, we have this technology where um, you can build a card product. Uh, you can build it on top of our platform, you know, as at the time we had opened the APIs and you can specifically use it in a way and the look in his eyes were like, oh my God, like this saves our scaling problem. So we have a massive problem right now where we put money on the card in the morning, could be thousands of dollars. And those drivers, some of them are shopping at Nordstrom's or getting groceries at Safeway or picking up the wrong order. Like we, we don't know what's going on until the end of the day, because at the time the bank they were using was the sending flat files at the end of the day. And that was the magic because we discovered that all the banks were basically selling a widget card, but does the same thing for everybody. And you just need to figure out how to make it work for your company. But we created a platform so these companies can build these purpose-built cards. And we focused on on-demand delivery uh, because I felt 
we need to figure out what the money-making machine is going to look like. And we can't service all categories because on-demand delivery is very specific. But if we place all our eggs in one basket and make this work, we will prove out how the technology is going to work and then add it on other verticals and what we described as what we call commerce disruptors and then move basically upstream to larger and larger institutions. Acquiring companies is among the trickier of the crossroads that new ventures reach. Whether such acquisitions are done to acquire technology and talent or to neutralize a competitor, these transactions add a new dimension of challenges to the process of scaling. Jason talked about how staying focused on their customers' need for Marketa's software to be always on guided their decision to acquire Power Finance, the fintech infrastructure startup. It's actually going to deliver a lot more challenges uh, because we've never acquired a company before. So we felt like it was the right acquisition at the right time for Marketa. And acquiring any company has its set of challenges. I mean, historically, most acquisitions fail. So we spent a lot of time in diligence with them, as you can imagine, making sure that the technology, which we're a, you know, we're a customer first company, but the technology is paramount to everything that we do. We still have this culture within the business that you know, treat every customer like they're your only customer. Uh, they pick up the phone, you know, they call you, pick up the phone, they text you, respond immediately. Like make sure that they feel uh, heard, they feel supported, uh, and the reason why is that we either support their core business or we are their core business. So when we spent time with Power looking at the technology, our engineers, who are some of the best engineers in the world, said, if I was going to build anything, I would build it exactly like this. So that helped us a lot in regards to knowing that the technology and how it was built would scale appropriately for our customers as we go into this, obviously, world of credit and credit cards. And we've had a vision for credit for years. So the program management part of building credit cards is pretty intense. And we were either going to build it ourselves, which would take a couple of years, and we felt like we would miss an opportunity. So we uh, decided to acquire uh, Power Finance, and we we're pretty stoked about where we're at and that uh, uh, the continuum of getting them up and running on our platform and integration and getting customers up. So we're stoked. As happens nearly always with the novel technology, Marketa's success inspired others. And today, the company has many competitors. We asked Jason to talk about their competition and what marketers advantages in the industry that they created. Yeah, I had said to the company, when we, we, for some time, we didn't have direct competitors. And I always reminded the company that you can't be as successful as Marketa is and not attract a lot of competitors. So we might not have direct competitors out there right now, but there are a lot of companies out there right now scheming to go after us. We're lucky in that we invented a category and they're going to become fast and furious over time. They're going to be small little startups. They're going to be large companies. And I think the first one where the company was like, wow, was, was Stripe. I mean, we knew Stripe was building uh, a competitor. Uh, Stripe was actually a customer of ours for years. They used our technology for a part of their business uh, that was beginning to scale. And um, I remember having a conversation with John and I saw a little twinkle in his eye. And I said, I, I just saw a twinkle in your eye. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, this is a pretty interesting business. So so I knew and it, it was OK. Like we're not doing anything new uh, in regards to core sort of issuing and processing. How we're delivering issuing and processing is what's new. So Stripe is just going to be the first one of these new batch of competitors that are going to come after us. 
And how we keep ahead is we have to solely focus on building the best technology. We have to introduce features and functionalities that are new in service to our customers. And we always have to be in service to our customers. And the one thing I've always said in when I'm talking to prospects is, you know, you can't reverse engineer over 13 years of operations. Like we have seen every single corner case for your business that you could ever imagine. And someone new coming in is going to be learning and they're going to be learning from you. And that's not a very desirable place to be in. So how we keep ahead and, and like, I mean, we've had debates over the years like, oh, we should go do acquiring. We should go do this. We should go do that. And I was always very steadfast on we want to be the best modern card issuing platform in the world. And that's all we're going to do. And that's what we're going to do all day long. And we're going to add other ways of money movement, which is in service to modern card issuing. And I just don't want to hear about all these other things out there because once we begin to move away from our core competitive advantage and add other things and like acquiring, uh, what's going to begin to happen is it's going to de degrade our core business. And I don't want to go compete with a Stripe or an Adyen or a Checkout. Like Those entrepreneurs are really, really good at building technology and they have built amazing acquiring systems. So I don't really don't want to go compete with that. And you have 3,000 competitors in that space versus two to 300 in issuing and processing. So, you know, the odds are, are in our favor that if we continue to focus on modern card issuing, we'll continue to be successful and lead the, lead the industry. We wanted to follow up on Jason's comments about having spent several decades living at the startup speed as a serial entrepreneur. We asked him to talk about his life as a founder, CEO, and what it takes to build a company such as Marketa, and how we decided to hand over to his successor. Yeah, uh, very high highs and uh, horrible depression and, and very low lows. You can't not have that in building a business. A lot of it is because you hire an employee and, and an actual human being shows up to work on their first day. And, and you need a lot more than just roles and responsibilities to be successful, ultimately in the service to the company being successful. And as, as a sole founder and CEO, you just don't want to let anybody down. You don't want to let down your customers. You don't want to let down your employees. You don't want to let down your investors. You don't want to let down the industry. So, you know, every second of every day, you're working to make the best, most informed decisions you can possibly make. So how do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, you know, and just a little side note, it's like I, when I, my uh, my wife, when I was telling her, we've been, it's 24 years this year. Now she's been through three companies with me. She said to me, you know, no more. You can't like 10 days later, go start another business. You know, I've, I spend so much time with you where you're standing right in front of me and I'm having a conversation with you and you're not even there. Like you don't even know what I'm even saying. And she's right because that journey of building a business and a business like Marketa, where we're so lucky in that, you know, in many ways, the harder you work, the luckier you get. But what we built was absolutely the, in the right time at the right place within financial services and fintech. And scaling that business and raising money and almost, I mean, we were three weeks away from running out of money in 2016. Um, it, it was it was horrible. It was, it was easily the most challenging time I've had in Marquette. I mean, we, we didn't hit any of our milestones. And the reason why is I completely shifted strategy to, 
you know, opening up the platform and servicing all of these businesses. And it came, the success came so fast that we were just wholly unprepared to scale. So we had to, you know, literally for nine months, just operationalize the business. So once we got past that, then it was everything you deal with on a daily basis as a CEO, whether it's investors or employees, customers, competitors, regulators, banks. This is a, a very complex business to run and, and payments in and of itself is de deceptively complex. So my journey has been, you know, sometimes, you know, you wonder is how, how you even survived building a business over 13 years and going through uh, A, B, C, D, E, E, uh, then it was any one about six, seven rounds of funding and then taking it public. But that journey for me was incredible. I mean, I feel so blessed, so lucky to work with all of these great people and great customers who, you know, all of our largest customers are still with us over all those years. And then ultimately getting to, uh, am I the right person to lead the company over the next decade? And that was kind of a lot of soul searching, a lot of discussing with other founder CEOs who stepped away, who had public companies, who stepped away into an exec chairman role or just a board role, and ultimately decided that I wasn't the person to be leading into the future. And ultimately, through the process of hiring a chief product officer, found Simon Kalaf, who was at uh, uh, Twilio at the time. And Simon's been a, an entrepreneur. He's been an entrepreneur CEO. He's been a CEO four different times. And I couldn't be more excited about having him as the CEO. Uh, and we had a lot of great candidates, a lot of great names. And just to have someone who shares DNA is just great. So uh, the last six weeks have been interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, and I'm just kind of in a great place. Company culture can be another crossroads for startups as they scale. Maintaining the spark and magic that the founding team builds can be seriously challenging when teams grow and relationships between functions necessarily grow more distant. Jason talked about how keeping focused on understanding customer needs has helped Marketa maintain its culture as it scaled and went public. I had three values when I started the business from day one. One was hire subject matter experts, hire people who are the best at what they do. Number two is really having this you know, kind of open, I didn't want any offices because I felt like I wanted to operate as asynchronous uh, as I possibly could. And number three is, you know, it's always about the customer. Like it's always customer first. And then I said, like, you know, we treat every customer like they're our only customer. So how I balance the two is we have to respond. We have to listen a lot more than we talk. You know, we have to be able to understand their business. Like we even had people with DoorDash is we had employees who became actually dashers. So we could like really understand what was going on. Like they would go out and use the card at the time for something other than picking up an order. Uh, obviously, we, we would tell them we were doing that and we would reverse them. But to get a, sort of an intricate understanding of how these businesses worked. And I think that was a very unique competitive advantage for us and like really talked about our culture and how we serviced our customers. Like that has always been the culture for us. And I'm a big believer that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Like if everybody is rowing in the same direction, no matter what you do, no matter what you launch, no matter what a market you decide to go and attack, you'll end up being a market leader because 
sort of that taste blood attitude where, you know, you're going in and, you know, we are going to be successful and we're going to drive towards that success is a very clear strategy. And that's how I typically lead. The downside of that is I can tend to burn people out because I am so relentless in what I expect in regards to our culture and how we treat our customers. But you know what? A lot of people just love it because it creates a very clear strategy in regards to how we're going to build a business. Given this growing competition, we wonder what Jason sees as the keys to marketers' ongoing success and what the company's strategy is going forward, especially given that incumbent banks might be considering a choice between becoming marketers' customer or a competitor as they seek to find their share of the embedded finance opportunity. What's critical to our success is the strategy in embedded finance. I mean, you're seeing it now. You're seeing this idea of embedded finance. And, and we started with this idea of commerce disruptors, which was, you know, the one event delivery companies, buy now, pay later, the business expense management, like Expensify and Ramp, which are companies on our platform. And then we went into digital banks with companies like Block and Lydia out of France. And then we went into large kind of merchants, uh, companies like Google and Uber, and then the large financial institutions. But we're finding like the large financial institutions. I don't think any one business is critical to our success because we're finding that the strategy we've been going forward with has been doing well, and we're going to invest more in that. Uh, again, monocard issuing is a foundation, a large foundation to that. But we have other ways of moving money, you know, like you know whether it's ACH, you know whether it's Visa Direct or Mastercard Send in regards to sending money that way, you know, and eventually is you know how do you take advantage of SWIFT and moving money much 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 faster. Companies like Coinbase, where you know you can convert crypto to fiat currency in a mark-to-market, and folks can pay that at the point of sale. So, how do you take the features and functions and package them in a way for embedded finance, which we now see, and I think more and more companies are going to recognize, and I think consumers and businesses are going to recognize as well, is who am I loyal to? First off, I'm loyal to my own money above everything else, and how can I work with the trusted institutions that I have? to make sure that we can go and build our business together. So not any one industry, we're not boiling the ocean. We have definitely a number of targets that we're focused on. And obviously we've been continuing to be successful in that space or the spaces that we're working in. But it really comes down to is what's our strategy and how are we going to bring that to market and attract greater and greater customers of, of bigger and bigger size. Taking a company public is one of the ultimate challenges for founder CEOs. And we had Jason talk about that experience. I loved it. Going public was one of the one of the greatest joys of my life. I, I, I didn't know, I, you don't know what taking a company public is like, but the whole process was wonderful. You decide probably about 18 months before you want to go public. Um, you know, we were having a lot of discussions at the executive team level and the board level about what we wanted to do. At the time, I'm, I was the largest shareholder. I'm still the largest shareholder in Marketa. And it was really up to me. And the board left it up to me. They said, it's going to be you and you're going to have to lead the company into the public markets. You have to really decide if this is something you wanted to do. And I decided, yes, I felt for a couple of reasons is I don't think I'll have another opportunity in my lifetime to take a company public. I felt like as an entrepreneur, you know, you're, it's sort of elite status. And I, and I happen to be a very disciplined person. So that discipline of preparing is, I think, what I really fell in love with. You're preparing the business for a way that I don't think you would prepare unless you were going public. 
So you're understanding a lot about the operational cadence that you have in the business because, you know, as a public company, you have shareholders, you know, it's not the VCs that necessarily own your business anymore. And the discipline about how you run the business is truly paramount. So that whole process of building an S1, writing my founder's letter, quoting both Grateful Dead and Fish songs within it, and then the non-deal roadshow, and then the actual roadshow was really amazing. And then, you know, it all kind of accumulates on June 9th of 21 when we're at, you know, at NASDAQ. And, you know, I had my, my daughter who was 12 at the time you know, is like front and center on the trading floor and the main trader. She's just like, what does this mean? And who's that? And what's going on over there? And it was just like this sort of amazing process. And then you go public and the next day the phone stops ringing. No one cares. You know, you don't, you know the bankers aren't calling you anymore. You're in this sort of quiet period for 25 days. And myself and uh, my wife and kids, we went on vacation. And it was great. And then after 25 days, you're jumping into very different board meetings and earning calls. I, I, I love them. I thought it was such a great opportunity to communicate to the world, communicate to all of your investors, small retailer real investors, up to large funds. Uh, and I loved it. The fintech sector overall has had a tough couple of years with a pandemic driven digital acceleration cooling off as consumer spending habits adapt to both the end of COVID-19 lockdowns and rising inflation. At the same time, rising interest rates and unsettled economic indicators continue to make for unfavourable capital markets. For Marketa, all of this coinciding with a CEO change has not been greeted warmly by investors. The company's stock has underperformed the market so far this year, and first quarter losses were higher than expected. Critics point to the company's reliance on a narrow set of large customers. In May, New CEO Simon Calaf announced Marketa would lay off 15% of its 1,000-strong workforce and take restructuring actions to reduce its operating expenses. Stock buybacks of up to $200 million were also announced. The market responded favourably to Calaf's statement. The ability to create new systems that takes a whole industry forward, as Marketa has, can require an esprit de corps that's hardwired into an organisation. Despite the ongoing turbulence that continues to put a drag on fintechs generally, the fact that Marketa broke new ground as the first modern card issuing platform may set it apart from others. We look forward to seeing how the disruption Marketa introduced continues to play out. On behalf of McKinsey's banking and securities practice, thanks for listening to Talking Banking Matters today. We've got a series of conversations planned, so we look forward to you retaking your front row seat to listen in on more industry leaders from the world of fintech, banking and digital talk about their work shaping the future of this industry. For now, wherever you are today, Thanks again for listening.